G'day guys and welcome to episode 19 of Ferg's Footy Fanfare, episode uh, Tom Lynch, if um, you'd like to say, and um, keeping it pretty relevant for this week, obviously, because he'll be fronting up in two grand finals in a row after deciding to leave Gold Coast as a restrict unrestricted free agent, and um, maybe he's made a pretty decent choice. I don't know about you, Jay, but um, doing all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. And you're right about Tom Lynch making the um, solid choice if, you know, always had the talent in Gold Coast. And I guess the next step for him was to find somewhere where they'd get the most out of him. And when you have Richmond playing the way they are at the moment, it you know, it makes it easy enough for a, um, a man like Tom Lynch. It'll be interesting to see whether he receives much attention. There was little phases through last week's game where he did receive a fair bit. So it um, be interesting to see whether Geelong comes out with that kind of mindset. They'll just be focused on themselves, which I think will be the case. I do think he was a lot more tame last week, you know, especially, um, you know, obviously he copped, um, you know, he copped it. I think it was after Dersma kicked a goal. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. You right. know, he, he, copped a, he copped a fair bit of stick from, um, from a lot of the Port boys and Dersma as well. But I think he kept it pretty well level-headed. But I think in a grand final, I think you might see him a bit more uncaged because, you know, no, that's Obviously. all right. You don't mind taking six weeks off in 2021. That's right. If that means you're going to win a flag. I mean, you know, I'm no, I'm no expert, but I think I know which one I'd rather, rather do. Yeah, spot on. So, how did you find the um, footy last week? I thought that it was, you know, the first game was. Um, I thought it was an awesome game of football. Considering, I think the conditions made, you know, made it a really good game of footy. Um, yeah. Just given because of the wet nature of it, you know, yeah. really tight, contested, you know, sloppy, but understandably yeah. so, not to anyone's fault. Yeah, it was a not a, it was it was a crap game, but a good game. Mm. I, I think, um, you know, it was just really, you know, it was a real territory battle. Um, you know you sort of thought who was going to be cleaner and that, but it didn't really even come down to that. It just came down to who was able to win the territory. And obviously that's what we saw towards the end of the, towards the end where, you know, Port just started bombing it from um, defensive 50 and, you know, really let Richmond play the way they want to play. They really played into Richmond's hands. You know, you know, you're playing into Richmond's hands or playing the way Richmond want you to play when you're bombing the ball, from the in your back half into your forward half. And that's when, you know, gives people like Nan Curvis, um, Asprey, Bolter, even um Tom Lynch for a small patch went went up back towards the end and um you know it's been able to take those marks or at least, you know, force it out of bounds or force a stoppage of some sort. Yeah. I, I thought that at three quarter time the writing was on the wall a little bit. I thought that um Port Adelaide had been playing um, really good footy um, and I thought that if they played like that for another quarter then they probably would have got the job done but to Richmond's credit and I guess that's where the experience and just the um, you know kind of that confidence in themselves to know that they'll be able to get through it and their last quarter like for a non-clearance side against a clearance side in Port Adelaide Richmond dominated in the middle and they were able to really impose themselves on the contested mark and intercept marks. So um, I know that Charlie Dixon kicked a goal to put them in the lead with about 12 minutes left. But uh, in the last quarter, Port Adelaide never really looked like winning that game. So then that just go, um, goes to credit 
how well Richmond played and how they were able in those, in such difficult conditions to get the game in their own hands says a lot about them. Do you think um do you think Porter too reliant on Charlie Dixon? Obviously, um, and I think there was a few stats flying around that whenever Dixon didn't really have a good day, Port don't really have a good day. Um, but obviously, you know, it wasn't going to be a great day for key forwards of any sort. You know, we saw that um, Jack Rewald had quite a stinker. Lynch only kicked one. Dixon only kicked one. I don't think Marshall did much from memory for Port. So are they maybe a bit too um, reliant on Charlie Dixon? Um, I think they'd love, along with a lot of other teams, they'd love a second forward to kind of assist him. Um, but I don't, I don't think they were overly reliant on him. And given the conditions they couldn't afford to be, it was just a matter of in the last quarter, I feel like they got their numbers mixed up a lot. Um, just And you're right, in Port Adelaide, we're just bombing the ball. And that's Richmond's bread and butter. You know, Nankervis had a whole bunch of intercept marks. He was awesome in the last quarter. Um, and, you know, I thought that was a bit of an issue for Port Adelaide with about five or six minutes left. They got into a bit of a repetitive nature where Nankervis would take an intercept mark, boot it down the wing, and Laddams was there. You know, you yeah. surely once you get to that stage, you're down by three points. You know, you've got two or three minutes on the clock. You know, you end up conceding a few points. Just... um. You know, get man on man in your forward 50 and just bomb it down there. And every time it went down there, Charlie Dixon wasn't there, Todd Marshall wasn't there, and a Richmond player was. Yeah, um, I thought, yeah, especially probably that last, uh, I'd say last seven minutes, I think Port really, um, they're really panicky that, you know, they knew that they, they'd probably, they were probably going to have to kick another two goals or three goals to win the game. And, they sort of just bombed it without thinking and just hoping I, I from what I viewed, they they were just hoping that either a Richmond player would drop the mark or they somehow come up with a mark or the ball, you know, ends up out of bounds and they can somehow work it forward. Now before we get um stuck into this, I was just uh, scrolling through my phone. I have some breaking news for you, Ned. And um we talked about this last week on You Can't Be Doing That with the MCG turf. Uh, making its way up to Gabba. So I've just seen on the 7 AFL Facebook site, the MCG turf has been up to the Gabba and it's arrived. It's been placed down and it's not even on the playing field. Yeah, right. It's on, I think it's on the side of the bench. You know, it's about 50 metres out, but it's not even on the um, playing field. Gee whiz. Yeah, that's so if that's you know you you take that as it is, but if that's true, then that's just absolutely ridiculous. Can't be doing that. That's outrageous. Yeah, especially when they claim to not have that much money to fund AFLW. I know yourself and I are probably not the biggest AFLW fans, but I think that still is a bit of a kick to the face, you know, in a sense that they, you know, they claim there's not enough money, you know, there's not enough money to spend on women's football, and you know they're doing oh, yeah. they're doing stuff like that. Well, that's it. And, you know, like there's been so many people lobbying and advocating for um, and working their butts off to make sure that the women's game is more accessible and um, more convenient for everyone to attend to and um, more competitive. So, you know, to kind of get in the way with little, you know, cheap tokens such as this, which don't end up being that cheap in a financial term. Yeah, it's pretty poor, I would have thought. 
But I, I did interrupt you on the talk with um, Richmond. Did you have a standout player in particular for Richmond or Port Adelaide that seemed to get the job, bring him over um, the line? Yeah, so for Richmond, I thought um, obviously Toby Nankervis was very good. Um, another player that I thought played really well was um, Noah Bolter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, I know probably the addition of David Asprey into the side compared to last time Richmond played Port Adelaide probably really helped him but um yeah first um the first time over in Adelaide during the regular season um yeah Charlie Charlie gave him a fair bath but um yeah I thought Noah Bolter played really well really um you know he really made Dixon work and and he was barely beaten as well in the air and another player that I thought was um quite fantastic and I still think he was robbed of a BNF as well. It was um, Kane Lambert? Yeah, he was instrumental was, in that last quarter. In um, my book, second to um, Shane Edwards, most underrated player in the AFL. Yeah, he doesn't get the accolades he deserves, and he, you know, I guess that's what you get rolling around with stars. But if you're going to be a very successful team, you need someone you know that's just going to, you know, do the hard yards. He, he travels the most out of all of your players, doesn't he, in terms of running through the course? Generally, of the yeah. Generally, yeah. he's in that top five on the Telstra tracker. Someone that, um, you know, controversially for you, I know that he can be a bit of a whipping boy at times. I thought that Daniel Rioli played really well for you blokes. His last two games have actually been quite good. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, you, you, you know, we talk quite regularly about it all and all that. And you know that I've been here and there with Rioli about um, whether, you know, I've always seen him as the, you know, as the 22nd man that, um, you know, if someone's going to get dropped, it's going to be Rioli. And, you know, I was obviously pretty disappointed for Jake Arts who um, got dropped. And I thought that, you know, if Rioli potentially plays a stinker and Richmond get up that um, Arts might, come in for him but I can't see a change um I know you were just probably just about to ask me that but I don't see any changes this week yeah just over the last two games that he's played he's been really um uh he's been far far less selfish more selfless in the way that he's gone about it um there's been quite a few times I've noticed where he gets in the pocket and the first place that he looks is behind him for the extra man and you're pretty safe with a Richmond game plan that there is going to be someone there, you know, um, kind of in that surge style. So, yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with the way that he played. And I think he had, you know, he only had 12 disposals, but I think he had 11 of them were effective. So in the rain, you know, it's about as much as you can ask for. Would have liked a couple of goals, but can't have everything all the time. I'm just trying That's to right. Stats. Yeah, 13 touches and 12 effective. So if you get a similar go out of him next week, then... Um, yeah, you'd be pretty happy with that. Absolutely. So um, then we moved on to uh, the Saturday night where um, Geelong really made a meal out of Brisbane. Yep. Um, I thought... You know, I thought Geelong were the better team throughout the whole game. However, leading into the halftime break, 
Um, Geelong had kicked far more points than they had goals. And I thought, I honestly thought that that was really going to come back to bite them. I think when Lockie Neal kicked that goal um, with a minute left in the second quarter, that reduced the margin to seven. And I feel like there was a shot yeah. after the siren, after the halftime siren that, oh, that might've made it seven points. But um, yeah, the way that Geelong were able to come out in that third quarter and still maintain the dominance that they'd had and this time put it on the scoreboard in terms of goals, you know, really solidified them. And, um, you know, credit to them in terms of it's been speculative how they mm. uh, go in finals football. Uh, they've come up against, the, you know, the second best team consistently yeah. throughout the season at their home park. They hadn't lost a game and to, um, you know, they ended up beating them convincingly. So I guess the question that I have for you out of all of this, Ned, is um, where next for Brisbane? And do you see their season, their 2020 season, as a failure? Um, I think they're only like they're only going to get better. I think, um, you know, they've got so many good young players that, you know, you've got to remember that, you know, people like Rayner and Barry McCluggage, um, you know, three really good players. And obviously Harris Andrews still quite young that, you know, like those three that I mentioned before, you know, they're only in their third, fourth year, not even. Yeah. And um, so they're only going to get better. Um, you know, they've had exposure now to, um, you know, f- um, qualifying finals, preliminary finals. Um, it's just going to be, I think it's always going to all depend on where they maybe play their finals. I think, you know, if they end up having to play a semi-final against someone at the MCG, they might find themselves in strife. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I think I think they're on the right track. Um, obviously, there's interest from Joe Danaher to go up there, so that's only going to strengthen their forward repertoire. So I think they're well placed. Um, and I'm going to say, and being quite critical, I think it's a just fail. Just, just because I think that it's probably the perfect opportunity for them to to win a flag, and they they really blew it. Yeah, I think it's in a similar boat to Port Adelaide. Whereas you, if you looked at it from the start of the season and said, "Hey, look, you know," and before all of this COVID stuff happened, you would say to Port Adelaide and Brisbane, "Hey, guys, you've um." You know, you've been knocked out in a prelim, would you take it? I think Port Adelaide definitely would. But when they got mm. into the final series, I think that they consider their finals campaign a failure, given how well they played throughout the home and away season. In terms of Brisbane Lions, I think that um, they, they're probably a bit disappointed they didn't take the next step, considering their record at the Gabba this year and, you know, the unique opportunity that this year has um, provided them, you know, it, Subject to another huge uh, pandemic, something similar, you'd imagine that yeah. what the MCG's contracted to have the grand final for the next fifty years, twenty fifty seven or maybe maybe or fifty seven years. Yes, some of that, yeah, it, a long, long time. So unless something diabolical happens again, you know they've missed an opportunity to play a home grand final, which you know no inter no other interstate teams have the opportunity to do. So yeah. Um, so, so, oh, you go. Um, yeah, so just as we um, wrap up the preliminary finals, um, I thought it'd be a good time for a bit of Ned's Nuggets of Knowledge about a player that played in one of those preliminary finals. Okay. 
that being one that we sort of spoke about a lot during the Richmond Port um, review. So Toby Nankervis, um, he was the first player in AFL VFL history to have 10 hit outs and 10 tackles in a final. Jeez. I guess that's something that you really like about Nankervis is that he goes really hard on the, on the ground as well. Obviously he's not the most mobile person. He's not the most mobile Ruckman for that matter, but you know, there's, you just can't, you can't buy grunts, you know, that's something that just you're made of. And he's very capable of running around and I wouldn't want to get tackled by him anyway. He's he's just like the old reliable tractor. I think, you know, he, only knows one speed, only travels at that. But, you know, the way that he goes at that speed, you know, he goes um, pretty well. So just before as well, we dive into what happens this week. Um, so we had two um, state league grand finals as well um, over the um, AFL preliminary final weekend. So we had the um, – on – Sunday, we had the, the South Australian National Football League, um, which I actually follow quite co- closely because it's actually a very good competition. Um, we saw Woodville West Torrens defeat North Adelaide. Um, so for Woodville West Torrens, it was their first flag since 2011. They fell short in 2015 and 2016, and they were minor premiers in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Uh, they lost two preliminary finals in a row in 2017 and then the uh, controversial 2018 preliminary final that had the 19-man um, issue against North Adelaide. And then we went on to the Tasmanian State League, um, which, which we saw a all-Launceston grand final. So we saw Launceston um, upsetting North Launceston. Um, yeah, quite a big upset. North Launceston were going for... Six out of seven grand finals. I think they're going for four in a row. And um, they finished well clear on top. Well, there you go, mate. So it just explained for our audience how the um, the kind of the setup in the Tasmanian League makes it a bit of a one horse. Well, not a one horse, but a couple horse race as opposed to a you know yeah. a leveled out league. Yeah, so there is um yeah, it's not looking that good for the Tasmanian State League. Um, I think there's seven or eight teams in the comp from memory. And only three of those teams had a win percentage above 50%. And they were quite well above 50%. So, um, yeah, there were only really ever three teams in that premiership race. And realistically, there was only one team. Um, yeah, that Launceston defeating North Launceston is actually quite an upset because um, everyone expected North to get up quite comfortably. And I, th- I reckon they won the preliminary final by about 70 or 80 points or something as well. That was pure domination. Yeah, right. Now, so, and another question, this one might be ever so slightly off topic, but you, um, you know, residing in the town of Biak, you know, a long way west for those listeners that aren't a, you know, aren't aware. It's about an hour west of Geelong. So, if you can, um, is the sandfall a big thing around your town, mate, or is it a bit too close to nah. home for anyone else to be worrying about it? No, nah, not many people buy into the sandfall. There are a few people that I do speak to um, here, there, and around that you know are aware of the sandfall. Um, 
probably don't follow it massively, but they usually know who wins the grand finals. But um, the Sandfield probably it's actually a really good competition. Um, and um, a lot you know now we have that mid-season draft. A lot of players from the Sandfall actually got picked up in the mid-season draft to um go get an AFL opportunity. Um, and also I don't know if we covered it, but um, South Fremantle won the yeah. Waffle Grand Final. I feel over, like it was pla- um, it was being played Claremont. as we were recording. Yeah, so South Fremantle beat Claremont. I think it was only just. But yeah, the Waffle, SANFL, and um, obviously the VFL are very good competitions to. Yeah, well, to that was my next question: is if you you know if you had to pick one league that we you'd have as the second tier for all of them, you, you know, in terms of quality, where would you go? Uh, VFL, um, obviously, just with a lot more AFL affiliations. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of talk about AFL affiliations being booted out of this um, sandful as well. Oh, um, okay. The locals over there aren't really a fan of you so know. What are the AFL those. affiliates in the sandfall? Just Port and Adelaide. Oh, so they're they're in there, are they? Mm. Yeah, um, just, but they're actually not very strong either. They're not strong competitors. But also this year, Port or nor Adelaide competed in the in the sandfall because of the whole AFL COVID bubble and all that. Mm. Well, there you go. Geez, you really are full of knowledge tonight, Ned. Try me best, mate. Try me best. That's it. No, he's, but, all, uh, he's all hyped you know, up. You know, yeah, let's um, let's just put it all aside because it's grand final time, mate. Um, that's right, mate. I was just about to say the only reason you're hyped up is because you've got a big game coming up on Saturday evening. Yes. Um, it's going to be a real, real cracker game. Um, yeah, um, you know... Pretty nervous, um, you know. I'm sweating more than a gypsy with a mortgage over this one, mate. Um, I, I said, um, you know, pretty early on in the year that I'm probably not going to care as much, you know, if Richmond lose this grand final. But now that Richmond are playing Geelong and me um, being in the Geelong region, you know, quite frequently. Well, and there's more to that as well. So I'm not sure if our listeners are aware, but there is a bit of a... I wouldn't call it subtle. I'd call it very flamboyant dislike for Geelong that you possess. Um, uh, and yeah. that can be made, you know, that can be illustrated through your Snapchat story. I think it was on Saturday nights. Voice yeah, we were. pleasure of, um, of Geelong making it. Yeah, look, um, it's, it's the thing um, around Geelong and even, you know, in areas around Geelong, like where I live, um, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You either go for Geelong or you hate them. It's sort of like Collingwood in a, in a sense, you know. Yeah, you, you either you either go for them or you know you extremely dislike them. Um, yeah, you see a lot of people um, around Geelong um, driving around. With, you know, they got their flags up and all that, and you know, so be it. You know, should be happier teams in the grand final and all that. I I did um, roll around as public enemy number one in Geelong. I did have me Richmond mask and me Richmond hat going. Um, I did cop, cop a little bit of criticism, um, yeah, for for my attire. But, um, oh well, I suppose um, it'll be all worth it if the result swings um, a, a certain way. Oh, you get but, that. Um, yeah, you get... All, that aside, all that aside, yeah, there's a game we've got to talk about. 
Yep. Now you get that with loyalty, but we'll have a quick look at the forecast. So on Saturday, it's going to be um, 28 degrees maximum. We'll obviously be a bit cooler by that stage, uh, considering it's a night grand final. I've got a 40% chance of rain and anywhere from zero to two mil of rainfall. It's brought to you by the Bureau of Meteorology. So she's about as reliable as it gets. Um, I reckon you'd be doing any kind of rain dance that you know at the moment, wouldn't you? Hundred percent, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you you know that I always rave on about you know how Richmond play in the rain just suits the way they play. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be doing my rain dance, that's for sure. Um, but yet again, I'm not banking on the rain because at the end of the day, you shouldn't let the weather have to decide if you're going to win or not. You know, you got to yeah. be, you know you got to be the better side. Um, so I'm just going to give you my keys for this game, and then you can give me your keys. So my keys, um, Richmond need to play the high pressure. We saw them do that very well against Geelong earlier in the year where Richmond sort of played that high pressure and just not allowed Geelong to um, really have that nice control of the ball that they like to have. And... Um, and, yeah, also not allow Geelong's um, superstars to get rolling. You know, you can't let Ablett, let Ablett off. Um, I think uh, rumour has it that um, the uh, second best man since sliced bread will actually be playing on um, – will be playing on Gary Ablett, um, Liam Baker. Ah, oh, jeez. I, I don't know the second one is. I know the first one's Jack Graham. Oh, uh, the first one's Noah Bolter. Oh, jeez. Calm down. God. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, there was another thing I was going to say, what Richmond needed to do. It has sort of crossed my mind, but oh yeah, clearance, um, especially if Richmond, you know, Richmond done quite well over the clearances the last couple of weeks that if they, um, you know, play at really high pressure and also win the clearance, it's going to go a huge way. Cause you know, we obviously saw Geelong, you know, they demolished Brisbane in the center. Um, and then for Geelong, those need to be clean. And they just not they just can't allow any pressure from Richmond, any perceived pressure, you know, especially um a lot of their younger fellas, you know, there will be a few blokes in that side that haven't played in the grand final. So um yeah, that bit of stage fright, perceived pressure. Um yes, yeah, so that's my keys for the game. Yeah, I think the in terms for Geelong to have a real good chance. Um we saw it last week against Brisbane. They need a lot of control, um, you know, just to be cool, calm and composed as you do with with the, the game style that they play, they tend to switch it a lot. And you saw a lot of that, you know, hitting the open man out wide and trying to get some run through there. They also use the corridor a lot, which I was quite surprised with. They were using that in the first and second terms. So I don't think that Richmond's game plan will allow them to do that. I feel like, um, you know, it'll force them into that long down the line style um, so they'll have to make sure that they got their crummers in the right spots for that to allow quick, quick outs. Um, geez, you know, for Richmond, I just think that they have to do exactly what they've done this final series. I don't think there's anything um, new that they need to do. I, I think they've been the team to beat this final series so far. Um, even in that game they lost against Brisbane, they didn't necessarily play better badly it was just Brisbane played really well and there was hints of undisciplined um, Tigers in there so 
you know, like the way that Brisbane has been playing last week in particular with their defensive structure, I think, you know, Geelong's going to find it really difficult to get through that. I think in the last time they played, Geelong kicked one goal to three-quarter time. Was that correct? Or Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, the pressure's going to be on them and, you know, teams, you need a score to win the grand final, don't you? You always... It's well documented. Shout the team. To, shout out to Russ Lyon. Yeah, that's it. It's well yeah, documented. You might be able to the teams that defend don't win grannies. So got to be able to kick goals. Seems to be the first of 70 wins this year. So um, uh, Also, first goal. I think the first goal has lost. I did see something uh, like that earlier today. Uh, I, I remember them saying it during the coverage of the 2019 grand final that I have rewatched a few times. Um, I think it's like... It might have been like the last four or something. So it might have been like all the last five or something previous to 2019, uh, before 2019. And then obviously that also eventuated in that game. So, um, yeah, gee, okay. Uh, I know Sydney kicked the first goal in 16. Uh, yeah, it's got, it's got me, um, it's got me buggered, but, um, yeah, it's, it's something like that. All right, so, well, we'll make a quick reference to our little tipping competition that we got. So we're not really showing our expertise, Ned, because we both got our tips last week wrong. So we're sitting on three, and I think that's three out of of eight. So we're failing. Um, In terms of the margin... To be fair, fair, um, I did hear, I think, out of the eight finals... Six of them have been reverse results from the home and away season. Okay. Oh, hey, look, I'll look for any excuse right now when I'm popping at three for eight. Sounding like Danny Green from the three-point line, except, you know. Points-wise, uh, I am on two, 222 and you are on 247. So I'm 25 points ahead of you heading into the grand final. We're even on tips. So it's percentage that separates us. Jeez. Now... Here we go. Your grand final tip. Um, with absolutely no confidence whatsoever, Richmond by 13. Richmond by 13. And is that anything in particular that swings you that way or is it just your loyalty to the club, you know, your buyer's view? Want to see the Tigers get um, up for three out of four? Yeah, I'm probably going more out of my heart Yeah, with this one. And I think you come this far um, and I think you'd be in the same situation if St Kilda in the grand final. You come this far, you know, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta have the hope to win. Um, well that's yeah, I mean that's what I did when I tipped St. Kilda against Richmond. I don't think there was many brains in that. That's all right, mate. Um, strength through loyalty, that's what they say about your mob. <laughs> um, I like it. Um, um so do you need a um do you need a um Dustin Martin medalist? Um uh, yeah, I said, yeah, go on, give me your dustpan. Except it can't be dusty. I'm not buying that. Oh, why not? Yeah. Um, nah. Um, I was actually thinking to myself um, whilst driving um, today, I thought it'd be pretty cool for Tom Lynch to win it <laughs> as, as, as a bit of a, as a bit of, you know, a bit of a funny An story. You know? To the AFL world. To all yeah. Um, but um, I think it's time. You know, if Richmond do win, um, obviously one person was quite robbed of 
I didn't really think he was rubbed as 17. He was very well in the contention for 2019. Uh, Bashar Hawley, for me, could finally um, get that medal that he's probably, you know, he could have had. It'd be a real feel-good story considering the year that he's had as well. He's had a lot of um, off-field, you know, highs and lows. And, um, you know, amazingly enough, still uncontracted for the end of the year. But I'd imagine that there'd be something sorted out fairly soon Um, about that. Yeah, so he did speak on radio. I can't remember if it was SEN or Triple M. Um, But he said he'll, um, you know, he'll he'll re-sign whatever Mm -hmm. offer he's given. Um, Yeah, I think he spoke pretty bluntly about Essendon, um, making that offer for him to come back. Uh, He spoke pretty bluntly about it. Um, but yeah, just speaking about robberies and um, the Norm Smith, I didn't think he was really robbed of 2017 because I thought there was someone more robbed than him, Jack Graham. Jack Graham, Mate. he was robbed. All maybe right, maybe he maybe he writes a horrible wrong. But what's your tip? Well, the one thing that is a hundred percent certain, Ned, is that one of us is going to be a winner of our little tipping competition based on points because I'm tipping Geelong and how. Um, I'm tipping Geelong by seven points. And the reason I'm doing that is because... Your mother I feel will beat it... you over the head if you don't pick him. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, that, that's exactly right for one reason. And, you know, even though she lives a fair distance away now, it's a quick enough drive to come and belt me. So I want to stay in the good books as long as I can. Um, if Geelong play their best football, I think it's better than Richmond's best football. That's a theory that I've adopted throughout the whole year. I think that Richmond's playing more consistent football and they're a better chance of playing their best footy. So I, hence such the small margin. In terms of the Norm Smith medalist, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Mitch Duncan. I'm going to go Mitch Duncan. And that was a toss between Mitch Duncan and Cam Guthrie. So, you know, I'm a bit of a Cam Guthrie sympathiser. But, um, you know, I reckon that Danger's going to get a fair bit of attention given to him, whether that's um, up in the forward line, who, where I'm assuming Grimes would go to him or will Grimes go to Hawkins? This is the thing. There's going to be Asprey, Bolter and Grimes. Yeah. So, you know, there is going to be some good um, tall uh, – they're two tall timbers and then, you know, one, a player that plays pretty well over and under size. Yeah. So uh, given that, I, you know, I think that it's not going to stop danger from having a, a good game, but if, I think that it will stop him from being best on ground. So I think Duncan's probably the best chance to, you know, be, be pretty penetrating. I think he had, how many disposals did he have last week? But he kicked at 80, he had 87% efficiency or something like that. 24 touches. So that's about as good as it comes. I know and you're um quite. I know you're quite an intelligent man, and you did way better at school than me. But your theory sucks. My theory sucks based on the Norm Smith, or no, your theory just sucks in general. If you ask me. Yeah, look, I wasn't expecting you to buy it. If it was a Shark Tank, I wouldn't be asking for your money. That's for sure. Yeah. But, look, um, um, not sold, mate. Not sold. No, that's it. No, that's all right. It's an, it's an opinion game, and hopefully there's one silly sod out there that decides to agree with what I'm saying so I don't look like complete nuffy. Yeah, I don't know if we have much Geelong following on our podcast, to be honest. Yeah, I know we have it, a lot of Essendon representation. Um, 
We have a bit of Richmond. Um, we have a fair bit of St, St. Kilda. Yeah, we've got some Melbourne, Melbourne in there. So it's it, we've got a Melbourne. nice little collective. It, we'll have to put that up as a poll leading a bit, into a the bit of, A bit of multiculturalism. Yeah, maybe we could talk about, you know, could chuck a poll who do you think will win and then who do you want to win? That might be, a, you know, a little... Yeah. Um, way to find out how the crowd's feeling about it, but we wouldn't have much. We wouldn't have much North Melbourne following, wouldn't we? Uh, I think so. Ned, have you heard of anyone ever having lots of North Melbourne following? I did. I did see um one post on um Facebook today, um that um what did he say? The bloke said um you know the fact that we're trying to you know stamp bullying out of school and all that um for Footy Colours Day. Whatever you do, don't let your kid dress up in a North Melbourne. I guess that I'll, I'll quickly point out just while we're on the topic of North Melbourne that North Melbourne and Reese Shaw have mutually agreed to part ways. So um, I guess, you know, the main thing is for um, Reese Shaw to get back into, you know, to feel better about whatever's happening right now. So best of luck to him and in, and in his journeys. And watch this space as well because I think there might be um, a big sort of discussion about the future of a smaller Victorian club. Oh, Not dropping hints. Yeah, right. Jeez. All right. He's got his bloody sauces and everything, mate. He's going to be like Damon Barrett. Got me Got me Worcestershire, my barbecue, my tomato, soy. Got all my sauces. All right. Well, that's going to do us for tonight. Um I sincerely hope that you enjoy Saturday. Um, you know, it's, some are only as privileged to go and witness it this many times. And then I guess if Richmond win, you start looking, you know, being called a bit of a dynasty. So, bit of a dynasty. That's it. Well, we're going to have to talk about that, regardless of whether it's a win or loss. We'll talk about it in our next episode, which will review the grand final. And then we'll have another episode based on the. Um, clubs have exited and their season rankings but until then make sure you enjoy the grand final ned and um try not to celebrate too hard if your boys end up you know lifting the premiership the coveted premiership cup yeah look i can't make any promises Um, (laughs) don't make any promises this time of the year mate that's you Um, can't make promises yeah, yeah you enjoy the grand final as well all right mate thanks for having us cheers